Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. Let's just pray for Bon. Lord Jesus, thank you for Bon. Thank you for what you've given her to speak to us about today. We pray that you would uh, give her everything she needs to be able to just let your Holy Spirit work through her. And uh, pray for our hearts and our ears and our eyes that we would also receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to clean up quickly and not snot into the microphone. So. I think we're clear. Sorry. I know it's not a very nice sound, let alone an amplified sound. So. Oh, wow. That was unexpected. Am I okay? Okay. Oh, that was that. Okay. We're a very well-oiled machine, very slick, as you can see. Wow. Thank you. I just say we just we love we love Northridge. We have can't cry again now. We have a deep, deep love for Northridge. For each and every one of you and the guys in the evening as well. And you know, a few people have said to us, Oh, it's so amazing, you know, how Northridge has come out after COVID. We know so many ministers and pastors who have just burnt out and left the ministry. And we know so many churches that have closed and stopped. And, you know, thank you and well done. And do you know, it's not about us. It's about you guys. It really, really is. It's about the love and the... You're not allowed to do this in the future. It's about the love and resilience and connection and perseverance and persistence of each and every one of you. It's about the fact that you guys are all choosing. When the world is fighting each other, you're choosing to come and go, yes, we're different. Yes, we have different views and beliefs. But in Jesus, we're one. And we know that he has called us to love each other and to walk with each other and to keep choosing this. And so it's because of who God has made us as a church that we're here. And so I want to say thank you to you guys. Yes, it has been really hard. It was not the journey we had anticipated when we thought we might say yes to leading a church. But we are ever, ever grateful, forever grateful for each and every one of you. And that God has brought you to Northridge. And it's, you know, it's, it is a tough season at the moment. But there's also an excitement that's brewing in us. Because if we can weather this last tough season in the way that we have as a whole church, what does God have for us? What does God have for us? 
There is something special here that he wants to share with the whole world through us, through just really average, ordinary people. Because that's all we are. And so I, I am really ex- excited and so grateful, and I know we both are, for each and every one of you. And if you knew, it is lovely to have you here with us this morning, and I would recommend every person in this room um, as someone who has a heart for Jesus. Um, and yeah, so welcome. <laughs> Sorry, that was uh, off script. Lots of off, off script this morning. Um, so we're going to be continuing, well, actually not continuing, we're going to be finishing our series uh, on wisdom. And I don't know about you, I've heard a lot of feedback from a lot of different people that actually this has been a really good um, a really good series, sort of really timely in terms of just the wisdom of God and the wisdom that we've needed in all sorts of different areas. Um, and if you, haven't, if you haven't heard some of the previous talks, I'd really recommend that you go back and listen to them and just the, um, the wisdom, both sort of grappling with the theological side of wisdom, but also just really practically wisdom that God has for us in this season. So I'd really encourage you to go and, um, and listen to those talks. So this morning, um, we're going to be looking at wisdom in temptation. And so I have to be honest and say I kind of grappled with the Lord on this one. I was like, can't I do an inspiring talk, Lord? <laughs> Like, inspiration, let's all get excited, let's all, you know, kind of just say how much I love everyone (laughs) and how great everyone is all the time. Um, And, you know, I was like, Lord, it is a really tough season. It's hard. You know, I don't want to come and bring this, this word now. We're tired. We're exhausted. We, and I just felt the Lord go, so temptation loves those kind of things. That's where temptation grows and breathes and takes hold, is when we are tired, is when we are exhausted, is when we feel like we're at the end of ourselves, is when we feel like, I don't, I don't know where to go. I don't know what else to do. Is when you think, I have got nothing else left in me. That is when temptation can take us, of course. And so as I come this morning and I share what God has put on my heart, I want you to know, firstly, this comes with a lot of love and a lot of grace because we are all tired. We are all at the end of ourselves. We're all struggling to some degree. And, you know, I'm, rem- I'm, I'm reminded that, that God, everything God does in our lives, everything, including the discipline, everything he does is to bring life, is to bring freedom, is to bring wholeness. So if you walk away from this talk this morning and you're feeling condemned 
and you're feeling pressed down and you're feeling like you can't get up, that is not God. That is the enemy jumping on, off, on the back of maybe something that the Lord wants to do. But that's not God. God's discipline brings conviction of heart and life to our bones. So I'm just going to pray for us um, again. And I'd really just love you to just come before the Lord. You know, the Lord is a gentleman. He waits for us to invite him. And so I just want to invite you to invite him in this morning to speak to you and to come and bring the life and healing and hope that you're needing wherever you're at. So Lord Jesus, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are good and kind and loving and just God. And so Father, as we come this morning, we just ask that you would open our hearts to hear your words. And Lord, if there are spaces that need conviction and convicting, Lord, we just know and we remind ourselves that you are loving and good and kind. So Holy Spirit, would you come now? Would you guide my words and protect our hearts in Jesus' name? Amen. So the passage that we're going to be looking at um, this morning is Proverbs 5. So if you'd like to get your Bibles out or electronic devices, whichever it is that you uh, use. And I'm just going to uh, read through it and then, and then we'll go through it. So Proverbs 5. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to the one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. At the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. You will say how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. And I was soon in serious trouble and in the assembly, in the assembly of God's people. Drink from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares... Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. 
Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their great folly. That's not one of the most cheeriest verses in the Bible. And it was interesting, you know, doing, you know, doing this talk and then reading that passage because there's a few things that trigger in me. I don't know if anyone else triggered a little bit and why is it just talking about wayward women and why is it just talking about, you know, men and that they need to worry, you know, that they need to um, avoid temptation and why is the adulteress always a woman and why? And I, you know, and I was getting a little bit worked up in all of that. Um, and, you know, I was just reminded that God uses every and any situation to teach us all. That it's easy to look at circumstances and go, oh, that doesn't apply to me. Oh, that's not what I struggle with. And, the, and the, the truth is some people don't struggle with the things that are specifically in there. But God has this amazing way to take every and any situation that comes across our paths, anything in Scripture, and speak to our hearts and speak into the things that we do struggle with and the things that we do need to bring to him and the places where we are going off with another, so to speak. Because temptation is about leaning in to our own desires and trusting our own desires above God's desires for us. And so I just want to go through some of these verses and just pick out some of the things that really jumped, sort of jumped out to me as I was reading them, that I just felt like the Lord wanted to say to all of us this morning. And probably the first one is um, verse, verse 3. There's two images that the writer here uses in verse 3. The one is honey, and the other is oil. And it really, it really struck me as I was thinking about this. You know, honey all the way through, the, through Scripture, and particularly in the Old Testament, has always been a picture of um, nourishment and fulfillment. So there's stories about David, who, you know, um, and... Uh, I can't think of who the other person is now, but who is weak and tired and they get honey and they fill their lips with honey and they're restored. And so this picture of honey being something that is f fulfilling and nourishing is a reminder that that is one of the promises that temptation makes, right? The thing that is tempting, tempting you is saying to you it's going to be nourishing and it's going to be fulfilling. The other picture that it uses is, is the picture of oil. Now, oil through scripture is usually used for anointing, so like purpose, and also intimacy. So the woman who goes and breaks the, you know, the anointing oil all over Jesus' feet, is a, that's a picture of intimacy. And so the other thing that temptation promises is purpose and intimacy. 
And so we've got these things, nourishment, fulfillment, intimacy, purpose. Temptation is cunning. Temptation is wants to push on the very things that we are created to desire. We're created to desire intimacy. We're created to desire fulfillment. We're created to desire purpose. We're created um, for all those things. And so the warning here is temptation is going to put its finger on the things that we were created to desire. But if you then follow down to verse 4 and 5, but in the end it's bitter gall and a double-edged sword. Actually what the end fulfillment of those things are with temptation is bitter um, Gall is, is bitter, but it also, like I've had gallstones before, it actually stops function. I had to have my gallbladder out because it was so filled with gallstones. It stopped it functioning. In fact, when they did the, bit of a tangent, when they did the um, sonogram on, on my gallbladder before I had it out because I, I was feeling quite ill, they looked at me and went, oh, that hasn't been functioning for about five years. I was like, oh, no wonder I haven't been feeling 100%. It completely, gall completely stops the functioning of things that God created. The double-edged sword, I mean, I, 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 that really jumped out to me because I was like, oh, I've always heard that in kind of like the word of God, a double-edged sword, you know, kind of seen it in a positive light. And so it was interesting here, but as I was reading about double-edged swords, they're actually... You actually need a lot of skill to wield a double-edged sword because what it means is, is that it's sharp on both sides. And so not only will you, can you obviously fight your opponent really well, but you can hurt yourself much easier with a double-edged sword because it's razor blades on both sides. And so, and so the sharpness of what temptation brings it's very dangerous and so, it can be so harmful to us. It then goes on to say that her steps lead to the grave. Her feet lead to death. Nothing about temptation gives us life. No matter what it promises. No matter how good it looks, temptation always leads to death. Why? Because wisdom is about, because God calls us to honour him and trust him. And temptation is about the desire to step out of that and trust our own desires rather than trust God. I thought verse 6 was very interesting it talks about how she aimlessly wanders through life, but she doesn't know it. I thought that was really interesting because it reminds me that temptation doesn't give you a balanced view. 
When you are feeling that temptation, it's not going, well, let's weigh up the pros and cons. You know, this is, this is going to be really helpful for you. This is going to be really healthy. This is not going to be really healthy. This is going to be unhelpful. Let's pick it. Temptation is never concerned about you at all. It doesn't give a balanced view in what you are wanting. It doesn't recognize that some of what you are yearning for and being tempted to do will actually be bad for you. And it will draw you along aimlessly, encouraging you, but you don't really need to talk to anyone else about it. That you don't really need anyone else's help. Just kind of wander in this vague space with me until I can wear you down. The other picture that's used here is about going into the house and going into her house. And again, one of the big things as I've been reading through this that comes over and over again is that, you know, Satan doesn't uh, create anything himself. All he does is uses what's already created and makes a counterfeit. So even the fact that all this imagery is stuff that is imagery that's used through scripture to express who God is and to show who God is, Satan will use those same things to tempt us. So this picture of a house, it's really interesting. You know, Jesus stands at our door as a gentleman and he knocks and he waits until we uh, invite him in, and he comes and he resides with us. Temptation lures you to her door, draws you in. You don't walk into temptation's door as an equal. You are a guest and you are beholden to the master of the house. Jesus comes in humility to help us be the people that he created us to be. Temptation draws us in to control us and to take us away from him. So the thing about temptation and what temptation offers is that it looks real. It's really convincing. It looks like the things that we desire that we desire. It imitates God's promises. I don't know if you've brought anything imitation before. I've often buy things off the internet and then realize it's not quite what I thought it was going to be. The picture wasn't quite that accurate. The angle that they took it on wasn't quite actually what they said it would be. But I don't know that until I physically have it and I've paid for it. And that's the thing with temptation, is that we, you, you can often only know what you're really getting until you've done the transaction. Temptation promises the real thing, but doesn't deliver anything other than guilt and shame. Those are the byproducts of temptation. 
of leaning into those things, guilt and shame. That's all she can give you. You know, as I was growing up, I, um, you know, sometimes I don't, you, you don't always know where the beliefs came from. But my belief was that the way to know you were very, you were strong was to be able to be in the middle of temptation and not to succumb to it. That's how you know strength. That you can stand there with whatever temptation it is around you and that you can stand strong. And then that's strength. And how many people I saw fall who did that? And how many times I fell when I tried to do that? Because the fact is, strength in temptation is knowing when to run, flee. You know, there's, a story, there's stories through scripture of good men and women fleeing. Strength comes from knowing who we are in Jesus and when we've hit our limit. <laughs> Having a right view of who God has made us to be. That is strength and that is courage. So I am just aware in this season, we are all vulnerable, all of us. We're tired, we've been isolated. Temptation loves isolation, can I say? Loves it, loves to cut you off from people, will tell you you don't need anyone else, nobody else needs to know, breeds in it. So I know, I know we're all in that place. And so I, I want to just stop there this morning. And I want to give time for the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us. And to come and do whatever he needs to do. Particularly around this, I really want us just to have our own time with the Lord. I'm not going to call up and say, if you're struggling with temptation, put up your hand. Oh, that person, right? Everyone go and pray. <laughs> because ministry is never about that, right? Ministry is about acknowledging that the only person who changes us, the only person who completely loves us, the only person who brings life is Jesus, is the Holy Spirit. We support each other. That's why we come to church that's why we're part of a church community, because he's also given us each other to love and support each other. So I want to say on the outset, if you are struggling with something, if there is temptation that you are facing, that you feel like you are just succumbing to, and you can't do it alone, and you've tried just praying, find someone. Find accountability. Find a counsellor. Go to set free, have prayer ministry, whatever it is you need, seek after that. But this morning, let's start with us and the Holy Spirit. So would you stand with me?
So I just want to um, remind us that there's no condemnation in Christ. You know, even Jesus was tempted. Even Jesus faced this. The fact that you're even facing temptation means that you're human. This is about a time just to be honest before your Heavenly Father who loves you. Honest about where you're at. I know for some of you, as soon as I started talking, something jumped in your head. You knew what it was. It's not that God doesn't actually know that. He just wants us to bring it to him. The first way of, the first step of walking away from temptation is bringing that to Jesus. Even if this is the first time you're going to walk away or the hundredth time you're going to walk away from it, Jesus is still waiting with open arms for you. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come now. Come and speak to hearts. Come and bring your healing. Where there is guilt and shame, we rebuke that in Jesus' name. Just um, for some of you, this burden is feeling just too heavy. And I think just linked with the word that Val had early on in the service. The Lord doesn't want you to carry that burden. He wants you to give it to him. His burden is light. But I think also for some of you, he is saying, you need to go and share that burden with others. Just allow the Lord to minister. feel like for some you're like but I've come so many times how do I know if the Lord will forgive me this time and I just just felt he wanted to say I forgive you I forgive you forgive you for some of those choices that you've made that you feel guilt and shame about I forgive you I release you
I just got a sense it might be helpful to put some structure to just um, coming to Lord, asking for his forgiveness, and just receiving that this morning. So you, you may want to just, um, I'm just going to read from Psalm 51, just a few verses. I'm just going to pause. You may want to just echo these words in your heart this morning. So let me, let's just um, come before him now. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So Jesus, we thank you for your blood that washes us clean today that sets us on firm ground again. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to finish off with a reminder that the God of the universe loves you. That he created you, that he made you. That his heart and desire for you is to be all who he created you to be. That he has plans and purposes for you. And that his heart is that the world would find this place of grace and love and belonging as well. So I just want to bless you in Jesus' name this week. Bless you as you go into your week. With the people that you'll come across, with the, the um, situations that you're going to come across in your week that you would know the Lord's love and the Lord's leading and the Lord's conviction. So Lord Jesus, would you come and walk with us this week? We offer all of who we are to you. In Jesus' name, amen.